Build your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural pitfalls and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters Podcast on international business. We help you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences, helping you develop your cultural competence. Welcome to the Culture Matters Podcast. We are on episode number 80, number 80 already. Today we have Imran Rat. Imran is from Pakistan and he's been living in Belgium since 2005 and he's running a global sourcing company in Belgium since 2005. Before that time, he was living in New York City. Imran is a personal friend of mine and he's very active in the textile industry. So it's a very interesting interview when it comes to textile or the textile industry and international culture, international business as well. Let's go right to the interview. It's time for this week's guest at the Culture Matters podcast. Here's your host, Chris Smith. Good morning, Imran. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Very well. How are you? I'm good as well. As you can see, uh, if you're watching the YouTube channel, that is, uh, I'm in t-shirts uh, and uh, and shorts, although you can't see that. But uh, I think everybody is smiling in this in the area that we're both in because finally summer has come in for two days. So this this year, summer is on Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah. I think that's what it looks like. Imran. Um, I know you, but the rest of the world doesn't know you. I'm about to change that. So if you can do us a favor, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you come from, uh, where you are currently when we're recording this, and what would you consider your cultural frame of reference? Yeah. A lot of questions, and usually I give the guest like 10 minutes to come uh, to come to, to a conclusion to this question. Right. So um, originally I'm from, uh, I'm from Pakistan, and... Currently based in Brussels, Belgium, since last, I think, about 10, 11 years. Uh-huh. And what I do, um, so I have this um, supply chain management company. So what we do is essentially we help retailers like, I'll, I'll, I'll mention names that people know. Mm-hmm. We, we help retailers like uh, Inditex, Cellu, uh, uh, Mango, Next, Primark, Source, uh, fast fashion, which are casual wear, uh, casual wear goods. So what we do is we provide concept design, merchandising, quality assurance. Th- these these are the services. Sometimes a customer will choose one of them. Sometimes they will choose the whole package. It depends on how it is. How it sort of goes is that our design team will go for uh, go to fashion fairs, identify new trends that are coming up make their small collection, make their range, see what's going on in the other markets as well. And then go back to the customer. And then we propose that this is our collection. This is what we think is in trend. They have an internal conversation. Then they say, yeah, we like maybe this. Can you, mm-hmm. can you improvise on that? And then this, for example, last summer flowers and embroideries for girls and ladies was pretty in. So they would say, yeah, we like this. Can you uh, give us uh, a small capsule range in that? And then we will build that show it to them if they like it they will buy parts of that now initially uh, the audience might think why are you here what is you know but as i think if you if you think one step further then textile yeah. is is irrevocably linked to to international business 
because um, I I know you personally. I mean, you are a friend of the family, I would say. Um, and just a couple of weeks ago, you were over with some other friends having dinner with us, and we were talking about generally, you know, what everybody does in life and what you do and what I do and what other people do. And then all of a sudden it struck me like, yeah, of course. I mean, this you could be, you would be, you are and a, a very good guest um, fit the profile exactly for this podcast because what I like to do is um, shed a light, if that makes any sense, on all aspects related to culture and cultural differences. Now, for one thing, you're from Pakistan, you live in Brussels. Um, and the other thing, you live, you work from Brussels, you work very much internationally. So from your introduction here, why are you not based in Italy? That's where all fashion comes from, isn't it? Or Paris or something. Why yeah. on earth Brussels? Yeah, well... Uh, Brussels is more a strategic location because let's say, for example, if I'm based in Italy, hypothetically Rome or Milan or even South Naples or something like that. So to go from there to Paris for a meeting or to London for a meeting, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a commute, you know, you, you need, maybe need to stay overnight or something. Whereas from Brussels, I could take the, take the TGV. Uh, or Thales to Paris, do the meeting, come which back. Is, which is the fast train in uh, that we run in France mainly, which strings to to uh, Europe, to uh, say the UK and Belgium. Uh, correct. So UK, then again Eurostar. You could take the Eurostar, which is the the fast train to us into London, do the meeting, come back. Similarly for Dusseldorf, Germany. So strategically, Brussels is 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 very well is very well placed. Amsterdam, for that matter, as well. To us by train or to us by car. Yeah. Uh, so that's why strategically, it's so uh, it, it's very well placed. Like tomorrow, we have a meeting in London, so I'll go in the morning, do the meeting, and be home for dinner. Okay, so uh, okay, <laughs> be home for dinner. That sounds very homey. Yes, <laughs> indeed. So basically, um, if I if I get your story correct, you go. I mean, you people from your organization, they go to fashion shows, they look yeah. around, they make notes, then they go to the the big uh, retailers. Uh, like H&M, Primark, Mango, uh, etc. Maybe not exactly those. You mentioned a couple. Of, um, and then they say, we want a bit of this, we want a bit of that. We want to tweak it here, we want to tweak it there. Then what you say, okay, I've got the, uh, the layout. And then what do you do with that? Because then it raises the question, who determines fashion? And what happens after the person or the, the company that has determined fashion? What happens then? Yeah. I would say that, you know, original fashion was be what, 5%, 10%, 15% perhaps. Because um, retailers like uh, any retailer, you know, they can't sell what Prada has on their uh, on their ramp today because people are not ready for that. They're not used to that. Yeah. So what Prada is selling today, that concept people will buy in a couple of months once they see it on the ramps, they see people on the street because... Yeah, I'll give you an example. You know, um, you must see people wearing jeans with big holes in them, rips and this and that. Mm-hmm. So for a parent to actually go and buy that jeans for their daughter or son, it's, it was quite difficult. Why? Because, you know, why don't you take your old jeans, rip it up and... Exactly. and, and <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Than, yeah. However, now, as we see in the streets, so the acceptance of that fashion becomes more and more. Yeah. So similarly, uh, what you see on the ramps, etc., people want a version of that, a softer version. You know, you see these hats and this and that. People don't, are not ready to wear it. So we, we need to come up with softer versions or more commercial versions, let's say, whereby it is fashionable 
and commercially you can manufacture it as well and not at a huge cost as well because people like this um, fashion retailers like Parada or Versace or Armani Chanel they don't need to consider cost but then we are we are catering to the mainstream retailers so they have a cost as well so you have to keep fashion and cost both in mind and production feasibility as well yes so basically you're 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 um supplying uh, the the clothes that you and I wear that the man in the street the everyday man wears yeah. the stuff that I wear as well yeah because right. I, I shop at these kind of stores as well um, and then you mentioned this jeans with holes and I, I I have a daughter she's 13 years old and she's exactly in that age category that you know I'm thinking holes why do you want holes little girl you know and then she says yeah but daddy and bloody bloody blah, blah, blah so Would you consider that um, different cultures, I'm not talking about age per se, but different cultures adapt these kind of fashions faster than other cultures do? Oh, yes, by far. By far. What's so, an example, for instance? Yeah, so let's say um, this, you know, because if you, if, you, if you look at the market, as you said that uh, Italy, of course, you know, uh, Southern Europe is... is Weather is different, so acceptability of colors, fashion is, is different as well. So here in France, I, I remember uh, in, in France, let's say 10, 10 years ago, mm -hmm. you, you did not sell shorts because French girls or ladies did not like to wear shorts. Mm -hmm. Interesting. However, now as it's becoming fashionable, you see it more, more uh, in trend on the streets, etc. So now we sell shorts as well. So coming to your question regarding those ripped jeans, It started, what, about a year, two years ago? Start And a lot of these things will start in places that you don't expect, Japan. Okay. You know, Trend-wise, Japan is pretty ahead, uh, ahead of the curve. Uh -huh. South Korea, a lot of people go for fashion shopping in, in, in South Korea as well. So it will start there. When you have these big fairs, people will wear that. Uh, and then... It'll come onto the street. So then, of course, it starts with the higher brand like Diesel, Replay, these kind of people. And when they started, then, of course, uh, Primark wants to do a version of that or H&M wants to do a version of that. So they do some small or Zara wants to do a version of that. So they do some, some small capsule collections, right. see the acceptability. If it accepts, then you know, they repeat, they repeat, they repeat. Makes good sense. So um, uh, you come up with the design, Primark, Mango, say, okay, this is what we want. And then what happens? You go to uh, to Pakistan, to India, to where do you go to? Where does this stuff get made? Yeah. So this depends on what, what the product is. So if you're speaking about denim, uh, Pakistan, Bangladesh, is, uh, China is a big market. Mm -hmm. Is a big market for that. Depending on our majority of our sourcing is coming from Pakistan and a little bit of coming from India. Yeah, as well. So, so let's let, let's just tackle this question because that might be on. It has been on my mind at least. Some of the audience might have the same question as well. How about child labor? How is that? What's the the state of affair in in the international context of textile, the textile industry? Yeah, it's a very it's a very interesting question, mm -hmm. and. You know, if, uh, for example, if you if you go some years back in history uh, to how see... Much, how much is some years? Five years? 20 years? Oh, <laughs> no, no, much more. Let's say 30 years, 25, okay. 30 years, uh -huh. 40 years. You know, you, so you, 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 you sometimes in the summer saw uh, children who were in secondary school working a little bit, a few hours here and there, etc., etc. Uh, however, in, in the 
in the third world countries, this problem of child labor was was quite was quite severe because there was not a system by which you could sort of regulate it. But then when, of course, when awareness uh, came up and then people understood the, the importance of uh, child going to school and contributing towards the society rather than doing doing this. So now child labor is you know i mean for us we have we have an internal compliance department so this means that this person um this person reports to compliance people of any organization uh, all of the retailers that i that i mentioned so this person if, if we want to work with a factory so this person will first go into the factory so this is a compliance person he will go into the factory check the records in the last six months eight months see what's going on on site and make sure you know these kind of things minimum wage uh, health and safety child labor but, but this this now is 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 uh, almost almost I, I think it's almost uh, not there anymore child yeah 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 at least in the in the industry that i'm working with and and in the in, in the country that i'm working with you in, in pakistan you used to have this um, in the carpet industry quite a lot mm-hmm. but of course with, with time and awareness it's uh, it's sort of eliminated but we we take this very very seriously mm-hmm. and compliance is a very big part of our of our equation and uh, this person that i mentioned he he reports directly to me so nobody can sort of influence him that you know can you do this not if he sees anything we have a external reporting system he, anybody can go on to, onto right. that website and say okay you know saw this or we saw this or something like that we take that very very seriously now apart from of course if you take the western standpoint when it comes to child labor we have a very different uh way of looking and thinking about you know how to deal with with children and schooling and um education and work etc different cultures have different ways of looking at that. I reckon that in other cultures, like in Pakistan or Bangladesh, people start working simply at a younger age. For one, because it's a necessity uh, to sustain a, a life that the family has. And it's just common practice. It's just, that's just how it is. It's not, they're not being forced per se into that kind of job. Does that make any sense? Well, uh, yes. So as, as I was saying that, you know, a um, couple of years ago, 10, 15 years ago, that was the case. But mm-hmm. as awareness, and you know, now the world has become quite, quite, quite small. So what happens in um, Korea today, people in Hawaii will know this in a couple of hours. Whereas, whereas uh, before the internet age, if something happened in one part of the world, for the other part to know it, it would take, you yeah. know, could take a couple of days, weeks, months, or something like that. If but now, yeah. yeah. But now, you know, everybody's an active reporter, you know, the selfie generations or you see something, you, you put it on the Internet. So people have access to that so much. So now, of course, the awareness in that has has increased and people do understand that the, 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 the child should be in the school and be educated and and uh, contribute towards the society on a more when he's more educated rather than doing, you know, uh, a factory labor job or something like that so which gives him more the avenue to to to, to work on a higher level yeah okay makes good sense well thanks for for at least addressing that because we got that out of the way uh to, to some extent i, I want to come back to fashion in general and how this is spread around the world and one thing that is i mean you can certain cultures you can recognize from a distance right i mean this you can you can see okay this is a, a tall blonde he must be from sweden these are the stereotypes i reckon i think what is not a stereotype 
if you look at somebody's socks and they're white, they're from North America. What is what? What could you sort of point out? You know, um, what typical cultural differences are? You mentioned weather and color, but the North North Americans, say the United States and Canada, they still they are able to to wear white socks still, and the South and the Latinos they don't do that. So, what are like big trends where you can see typical differences? This will sell there, but it will not sell there. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, why 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 that is the that is the case, but uh, yeah, you see a lot of North Americans with uh, with these white socks, <laughs> huge uh, New Balance or etc. Exactly. Why is it New Balance and white socks? What is this? <laughs> I don't know. You know, uh, or or a suit with a baseball cap on it, or yeah, or, or, or something, you know, or something kind of um, similar. Yeah. So you, you have you know in this or the 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 head nod in in the in the kind of Indian. Uh, in, culture but that is that is different so so uh, your, your question was that um, what other similarities do i do i see in other uh, other cultures or, or distinct like, differences i mean we you talked about the uh, the the ripped jeans and yeah. so and then you mentioned color and temperature or climate that is um so in france they would not wear these kind of jeans because women are not supposed to wear shorts and stuff like that so which country would ad- would um, adopt this kind of stuff first? You said Japan, Japan, and South Korea were like initiators of, of stuff like this. But do people wear it? Wear it there as well? Yeah, yeah, they do. Well, Italy as well. You know, I mean, Italy. We can't uh, talk about fashion if we don't talk about them. Yeah, I mean, they they are pretty much out there. But what I what I said was regarding France and shorts was that ten years ago mm-hmm. we didn't sell any women or lady shorts in France. There was a very small market for that, but now when you, when they see so many people wearing it, plus with this uh, internet generation and sharing information, etc., so the acceptability level has gone has gone uh, up on, on this. As a matter of fact, I have a friend of mine who's who's French as well, and he's got two daughters. So he was saying, you know, when is this short trend going to end as well? Because of course he doesn't want his daughter to wear these shorts. So th- that is kind of the acceptability, you know. Now the, I feel that the acceptability of fashion is much faster than before, because sharing of information. People are on Instagram. So what happened in uh, if people are fa- uh, following fashion? So let's say every four weeks, um, people like Zara take out new 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 products. So whoever is on that list will get a mailer today. This yeah. this is what we are getting. So people's acceptability of changing fashions is more and more. Now, the question is which cultures accept that uh, more easily than others? So if you look at if you look at Europe in general mm-hmm. other than let's say Spain and Italy up up here in in in, in northern Europe, UK is a big test market okay. for fashion. And that's a deliberate action. Deliberately these companies say let's launch this here. Let's see whether they were whether people pick it up. Yeah, because the acceptability of uh, you know acceptability of fashion in in UK is is I would say a little bit more than France or Belgium or even Germany for that uh, matter. They sort of the big retailers they test it there if it works and then you know they they launch it launch it in, in other markets as well. How does that work? Testing? How do you how do you test retail or or, or textile stuff like that? Is it that's are you just dumping? A lot of stuff in the in the stores and see what what sells or not or is that does that become more intelligent yeah that's become that's become more intelligent they they interview people as well regular customers because you know information data so like uh people like amazon mm-hmm. you know how many 
the, the, the amount of data that they have is, is huge. So now with, uh, with stores as well, what they, what they also do is, is loyalty programs. So of course with loyalty programs, you can see we have this much customers, what do they buy, what they don't buy, you know, so they, they can sort of derive something from that. There's a, there's a store in, in, in the U S I, I forget the name, uh, what it's called. It has an app. So you walk in the store and you walk out of the store a couple of times, you know, you'll get a 5% discount voucher or something like that. Right. Yeah. So the problem these days also is that people in, in buying is people coming into the store. Mm-hmm. Once they are in, they will, they will, they will sort of buy, but coming back to your, uh, coming back to your question. So with these, um, loyalty cards that a lot of uh, stores have they have a way of checking who's buying what who's who's because when you when you buy when you have this loyalty card of course you register so you have family members not yeah, then, you know your age you know your gender and stuff like that yes then of course they will they will interview people as well that what do you think about this or what do you think about this and then they they, they send out a small uh, when when i say capsule collection they will have a very small collection select collection see how the reaction is if it sells very well then they will maybe buy it from from near east which is portugal turkey and uh, get, get the goods back in the store in three weeks four weeks or something like that which is of course the success of uh, Inditex as well. Every four weeks, they have something something new. So the method to 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 do something very quickly. So that's why now you know it's, it's called fast fashion because in concept from concept to product in the store, it could be four between four to six weeks. Mm-hmm. By the, then they, they check it, reactivity is good. Then you know they do a repeat order on that. So basically, you can change things really fast as well. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that must have been a, quite a change because you have been in this business quite for quite some time. So you must have seen like almost a revolution because we would only have like summer clothes and winter clothes, and and then uh, that was it. You know, when when I grew up, you had white bread and brown bread. That was it. There was no choice. Now you got a, a zillion kinds of yeah. of choices and options. So that must have been quite a revolution as well. Yeah, um, no, but yeah? It, it, I mean, I just wanted to add something uh, sure. it, on, a, on on a on a funny note. So when I when I when I started, you know, my my career in tech at at that time. So this is what uh, ninety eight, ninety nine, something like that. Mm-hmm. So at that time, the the look of the jeans was very straight, clean, pressed, this that. So at that time, the presentation, you know, you had to press it. You had special press beds for that to make sure it's clean yeah. and brush it, etc. And now when the, this trend has changed, holes, this and this, rip and repair. So you imagine the worker in the factory, you know, this guy is absolutely going crazy. You know, he's saying, who are these people who are, who are buying these jeans? Exactly. Who are ripping? Yeah, and then so- of course, the, these ripping, you know, you can't be random. They have to, you have to have some kind of you, their measurements that has to be, let's say, five centimeters from here or 10 centimeters. So they have their, their, their position. It's then calculated. So the, the ripping is calculated. Yeah. So, you know, you, you imagine for the, for, for, for the workers who are in the, in the factory for them to, uh, to understand that, you know, why are people buying these kind of jeans? What's going on? Have you ever spoken to somebody who, who actually works in a factory like that and just looks at you and like wonder, and uh, you come from the same country that I do, but why do you, what kind of people are that? Yeah. Ever, so what do they say? Yeah, I mean, you know, some people just ask that, you know, uh, why, why, why would they buy something like this? Are they, you know, I mean, I could sell them my clothes like that because <laughs> I have them <laughs> like that. Yeah. Oh, so I mean, I say that, you know, unfortunately, it's the it's the fashion, and you know, a lot of time they say, you know, I think 
people have lost their mind or something like that because you know wearing ripped jeans or something like that etc i'll so, tell my daughter that maybe you know girl you have lost your mind and there's somebody who knows just told me that um just want to move move towards uh how stuff is being sold or being uh, able to be to be bought uh, is that with textile going on more and more online as well yeah. i mean we buy more and more online i guess textile uh, and clothing is part of that as well on the other hand it's For me, buying a jeans or a sweater or something like that, it's something I want to fit. I want to try. I want to touch. Um, it's, is that one of the one of the laggers when it goes online, or just go does it, does it go as fast as anything else? Okay, so I'll I'll perhaps recommend you to ask the same question to your daughter. You know, would would she be okay. comfortable with buying jeans online? Oh yeah, I know <laughs> the answer already. <laughs> <laughs> Because you know, I mean, in 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 the tram, in the train, you have the chance to look at so many things, and and of course they offer, if you don't like it, send it back, no charge, this kind of yeah. thing. So it makes it so much interesting. Because unfortunately, in the world that we're living in, you know, with this um, uncertainty, with um, terrorist attacks, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. so people. You know, maybe when you're on your commute from work, you say, oh, okay, let's see what's going on. You're late or something like that, or the train is late. You browse, you like it, you click, and, you know, uh, in two days, it's uh, yeah. it, it, it arrives. So a lot of this is moving to online, mm -hmm. and a lot of, lot of customers are going online. They've spent a lot of money on that. As a matter of fact, I think the, the other day I was, um, I was, I, I was uh, reading um, a review about this uh, – This guy from Berkshire Hathaway, what's his name? Uh, Warren Buffett. Uh, yeah. yes. So he's sort of saying that you know retail is is almost uh, is almost finished. As the in bricks and mortar. Brick and mortar, yeah. or you know the, the the future is perhaps online. However, he's not investing in online as well, but he's taking his money out of retail as well mm. because there's so many people out there. There's so much competition. Everybody wants cheaper, 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 more things, cheaper, cheaper, because it's interesting. I, I'm just going to make another point as well. We, we all talk about child labor. We all talk about child labor. However, nobody speaks about the fact that there should be minimum limits as well to buy a product. What do you mean with that? Yeah. So if you go, if you go online, you know, to see what is the price of cotton, this, this it's common knowledge. You can, you can get that knowledge. Um, minimum labor in any country, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, China, we all know that. Mm -hmm. So there also has to be a limit that, look, you cannot buy lower than this because this is the price of the cotton. This is the minimum wage. If you buy it lower than this, you know, it, 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 there's a problem. So there also has to be awareness in, in, in this sense as well, that people also need to understand that, you know, there's a, there's a minimum cost as well. Mm -hmm. So, If you go lower than that, uh, what are people going to? What are yeah, people going to yeah, do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because to balance the equation, yes, of course, that's absolutely wrong and uh, should not be done and is not being done. Child labor, etc., or cutting corners. But then on the other side as well, we also have to speak about the fact that the minimum price to buy a certain, uh, you know, a certain product also has to be, also has to be. Of course, at the end of the day, we all want to eat organic food, this and that, etc. Yeah. However. You know, the price of non-organic and organic, the difference is humongous. Still, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's, it's, it's like this saying, we all want to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die in a way. <laughs> or, or nobody wants to prepare to go to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, something like that as well. Um, in the introduction, uh, I'm just looking at my sheet of paper here. In the introduction, you also said um, that the you lived in New York in the states as well. So you are originally from Pakistan, and you lived in the in the uh, New York area. Yeah. Um, and now you're living in Belgium. In terms, when it comes to culture and your experience, working experience, travel experience, what do you see as differences? Like three countries, Pakistan, the United States, and then Belgium or Europe, Belgium. Yeah. Um, Business-wise. So if you, you know, I mean, I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. Starbucks. Mm -hmm. Starbucks, to start off with, if I'm not mistaken, was a Dutch company. But then it was bought by the Americans. Okay. So they took a, a, a smallish kind of brand, commercialized it, yeah. and look at Starbucks today. Yes. You know, so this is what the Americans are really, really good at. Buy it and then turn it around into something really big. Yeah, something really, really big. Here in Europe, we're a bit slow. We've got regulations, rules. Mm -hmm. We think are, we're a bit slow on, uh, you know, on that part. Whereas there, boom, you know, they think about this. Okay, let's do this concept branding. Boom. They're very, very fast in that. The downside, of course, uh, of that is, I mean, we can, we can take this in another direction about mm -hmm. job security, this, that, et cetera, et cetera. And then the, the values for five cents, you could lose an order, which you have had for last two, three years in Europe. It's a little bit different. You know, they, they consider relationships a bit more, but there, of course, it's the shareholder that is, yeah. that, that is more, more important. So here it's a little bit humane, if, if I may, <laughs> <laughs> if I may uh, call it that way. Um, and then in 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 Pakistan, um, culturally, what it is is that people, and, and I find this a lot of time when when we when I go back to my uh, to our office in in Pakistan, you know, I mean, people are working eight hours, nine hours. Some guys, you know, senior people are working ten, eleven hours per day as well. But the efficiency, the problem is the efficiency, mm -hmm. is that they 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 will. Effort-wise, you know, they, there's no comparison. You know, they, they are they're, they're really workers. Yeah. very hard workers. But it's the efficiency. It's how how to work hard, what to do, prioritize, what to do first, how to do it. Now, if they were to figure that one out, you know, the the the, the chances of their success would yep. would increase uh, tremendously. Because the people themselves, of course, are very hardworking, but it's 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 uh, direction that they are sort of missing, or a, or a good leader, let's say. Yeah, very, very hard, very, very hard working, but sometimes lacking in direction. Not everybody, but you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. quite yeah. And that culturally, you know, that is. And then we're speaking about the U.S. How they can sort of take something, commercialize it, and boom, throw, throw it out there. And uh, it's you. You travel the world, and you you go to the U.S. I know you go to Pakistan as well. Is there anything that you that you miss uh, from 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 Pakistan or from the U.S. where you currently are, or things that are still like? Funny that you that that strike you as being funny, or nothing particular. You've <laughs> you've seen it all. No, but uh, yeah, I mean, of course, you know, in Pakistan, I miss uh, I miss my, my my friends or food, sure. something like that. From there. Um, but it's but it's very interesting because having lived in different countries, you know, now you can you can look back and then you can laugh as well. Yeah. You know, when, when, when people were sort of drawing analogies or saying this, you know, you didn't see it because, of course, you were living there. Yeah. But then sort of you, you move out and then when you look back and say, ah, okay. So, you know, you, you, you get this chance to, to laugh. Or when I, when I went to the U.S. Uh, for the first time, 
and when I was here in Europe, a lot of people used to say, ah, oh, yeah, you know, this kind of mindset, or as we said, white socks, these joggers uh-huh. or something like that. I didn't see it. But of course, when you go there and then you, ah, oh, yes, oh, yeah, these yes. are, you know, these kind of. Uh, yeah, the, the, the oddities that every culture has, right? There's uh, every culture has that as well. All right, let's, um, let's move to the, uh, to the last two questions of this interview. Uh, one which um, is usually the most difficult one, but I'm sure you'll be able to tackle that with all the experience you have, is can you give us from your own experience, Imran, can you give us like three tips um, that you have done or you have picked up or that you do to become more culturally competent? If you want to be yeah. to become more cultural, cult, culturally attuned, culturally aware, culturally competent, what would you do? Three things, if you can. Um, well, for me, whenever whenever I go to, and, and I'm going to tell you what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever I go to uh, a new country mm-hmm. uh, or a new place, I will read up a little bit uh, about that country to know what is this country about, hist- a little bit of the history what people are, what kind of people they are, north, south, east, west, what is, what is it about, etc. And to understand them a little bit, mm-hmm. of course, uh, you know, then when you, when you speak to them or when you communicate with them, you can also draw some, some points of, uh, some points of reference um, as well. This is, this is one thing that mm-hmm. I will, I do. And then of course, you know, take the map out, see a little bit where you're going, etc. where surrounding uh, countries, areas, etc., etc. are, or, you know, so this is, this is something that I would. That's good. I would do. What's the second one? This is the only one that I. That's do. the only one that you do. Do you have a specific source for that? In no, it's of, just in the, terms of reading up. It, I mean, because I know, for instance, the CIA, out of all uh, institutions, has an excellent website. If you want to read up on on some specifics on on a country, it's just public, yeah, public information or something. The CIA fact book or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So that's what you would do. All right. Well, one tip was, is good enough. Um, and then finally, Imran, how can people get in touch with you if they want to? Um, well, I can, I can, I can. You have my email address. Uh, so email address is imran at s solutionseurope.eu that email is the best way yes okay that'll be in the show notes as well episode number 8080 Imran at Europe. that's one word dot eu alright well thank you so much for coming on board coming online uh, you're not that far away you're in Brussels I'm 20k's from Brussels and still we had some technical, uh, technical glitches which hopefully when you were looking or watching this watching this or listening to this are not aware of thanks so much Imran uh, I'm pretty sure thank we'll you. bump into each other in the future take care thank you you. take care bye Bye. Imran thank you for coming on board as I said before I hope you enjoyed this podcast number 80 Imran Rat on um, textile and cultural differences of course if you want to see what we talked about see what we talked about you can uh, also go to the YouTube channel which you can find at culturematters.com slash YouTube you can also leave a review in iTunes and I would really appreciate if you would do so Um, because that of course it raises the uh, the visibility of the podcast and more people can actually enjoy these interviews as well the other thing couple of more things I need to uh, household things I want to mention to you if you have any idea about a good guest you know if you know somebody you heard somebody either in the news or know somebody personally who you think might be a good guest or maybe it's yourself who you think you that you would make a good guest drop me a line go to culturematters.com find the contact form and drop me a line and we'll see if we can work something out okay Finally, 
Um, the app is there. Culture Matters has an app. I'm very happy that it's finally there. CultureMatters.com slash app, A-P-P, in the end. It's there for iPhone. It's there for Android, finally. And um, you can actually have everything in one place. The uh, video cast, the articles, and the podcast, of course, as well. And there's a bonus that you'll find there, which is the Culture Matters Cheat Sheet. All right, that's it. Episode 80 has come to an end. Hope to hear, um, <laughs> hope that you'll be there in two weeks' time. In two weeks' time, we'll have an airline pilot on board, and he's going to tell us everything about flying and culture. Stay tuned. That's it for this episode. The Culture Matters Podcast, helping you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences.